Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast. It is Thanksgiving week, so it's going to be a short week here. I hope everybody had a productive weekend. Today's episode, we have Paul Vincent from Vincent Esquire. He is one of my friends for a while now and just the guy I've been wanting to have on for a long time. You will see when you listen to it, I, you, might, you might initially hear, oh, an attorney's on. It's not your average attorney. He is full of personality. He's really funny. He breaks things down in a very basic, simple way. I've heard him say things that I've asked other attorneys for many times. And I just leave there confused. So he really takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. He is able to articulate information in a way that people can retain it and understand it without overcomplicating it. And he understands what he's doing. He's an investor himself. He's worked with some of the biggest names in commercial real estate, including the one and only Tim Bratz. I'll give him a shout out. We met through one of his masterminds and he's been doing some stuff with him. And he's also doing some stuff in my backyard that he'll talk about with uh, raising money. And he talks about all the do's and don'ts of what you should and shouldn't be doing, what you legally can and can't be doing as far as raising funds. He talks about how he can network and what the secret to networking is, how you can be yourself and have fun and really uh, just be cool and then be able to still be professional and make a ton of money while you do it. He pulls back the curtain on a lot of things that people want to hide or make more complicated. So he's really transparent. He's really open. He makes me laugh a bunch of times. He's just such an easy, likable guy to talk to. And I really appreciated having him on. I like to have him on more often. He's got a great Instagram account, a great TikTok account. You guys can follow them. You see on all the show notes at TikTok Lawyers, uh, all the links for the ways to find him. And he specializes in putting together PPMs and helping out with syndications. And he also has deals that people can jump into. I believe he's going to eventually have a book out called Talk to Strangers. And this whole thing is just going out and talking to people. So he doesn't have to deal with a lot of the headaches and the ins and outs of dealing with contractors and managements and tenants. He knows what he's good at. He knows his role and he does them really well. So he's able to take care of things on the legal side with his attorney business. And he's also able to use his great personality and just being a cool, likable guy with a great personality to be able to make people laugh and absolutely be able to dazzle them with his intelligence at the same time. So he's a very fun guest, very great guy. You guys are going to love this episode. It's going to keep you entertained. You'll learn some things. You get some confidence behind the stuff you're doing. And as usual, this is sponsored by Nationwide Business Capital Group. So definitely go to nick2nick.com slash links and look at the ways to contact Marianne directly at Nationwide Business Capital Group to get money for your deals, no matter where you are as far as beginner, advanced, intermediate, money, experience, credit, doesn't matter. If you want to have a conversation with her and say, hey, I listen to the A-Game podcast. They said you can give me some money. What do I have to do? Talk to her. She will be able to get you going. If you don't even know what to ask, she will help you out. If you already are doing real estate and you would like some more competitive rates in terms or have some creative deals you'd like to get, definitely reach out to her. Tell her we sent you over. She'll roll out the red carpet for you. While you're there at nicknicknick.com slash links, please follow us on all social media. It really helps when we post things. We post clips. We post episodes. Like them. Comment on them. Please share them. We put a lot of time and a lot of effort into this podcast, into those clips, into that social media presence. So the more you guys can do that, it definitely helps. Click that algorithm and uh, keep this thing going a little bit longer and reach different people. So definitely follow us and subscribe to this podcast, please, through nicknicknick.com slash links. And finally, as usual, nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets as a way to get a free checklist to bring value to all of your buyers, whether you're a real estate wholesaler, real estate broker, or real estate agent. Go there to get your free checklist. And a quick shout out. I don't want to go too long on the uh, the intro, but congratulations on an amazing career. Ally Akinta retiring, potentially, stepping away, but definitely check out his podcast. I don't want to call it podcast. I get mad at me, but call me Al Show with Aaron Weinbaum. They have a great podcast there on the HAPS app that you get to really jump on. And he's just been dropping a ton of knowledge there. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, check out that episode and listen to what he says about just kind of what's been going on with him inside and outside of the cage focus, mindset, all that kind of stuff. You know, we're dealing with some injuries, but that guy has had a legendary career. He'll always go down as one of the most exciting fighters, a fighter's fighter that all the other fighters in the UFC respect. He went in and out on his own terms, had some legendary fights, legendary battles. He has nothing left to prove, and he's about to come and take over the real estate game. So definitely watch out for him on that side of things. And congratulations on an amazing career. 
and on your future as a black belt in real estate ally. Kunta, check out the Call Me Al show. Have a great day. Have a great Thanksgiving. I'm going to put a quick episode out on Thursday. You guys can check out this weekend. Hope everybody has a great time with the family. Stay safe. Get your fat on. Have a great day. A-Game Podcast. Thank you, Paul Vincent. All right. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast, fighting out of Northeast Ohio, is a real estate and estate planning attorney. He is a specialist on raising money regulations and being uh, able to do deal syndications within the SEC guidelines. He's the founder of the Deal Structure Crew, a great Facebook group that you guys should definitely check out. And he is known most for putting the fun back in the legal fundamentals of real estate. He is not your average boring real estate attorney, which you will see as we start to jump into this podcast. He co-owns Vincent Esquire Attorneys at Law for Entrepreneurs with his brother, Adam. He is an all-American track runner, 5K and cross country. You will see him on TikTok, shaking his assets at the TikTok lawyers, a former pizza place owner, which we will talk about. And he takes pride in creatively solving problems and advising clients as they deal in real estate, run businesses, make their estate plans. He is a father, a husband, and today's special guest. Give it up. For the A-Game Podcast guest, Mr. Paul Vincent, welcome to the A-Game Podcast. Sir. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Appreciate the intro. Um, prepare to be bored, people. So, no, so. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. That's, uh, I was trying to find, like, I was like, put the fun in. I was like, ah, it'll just be fun. But you, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. <laughs> so thanks so much for having me on, man. I uh, I uh, appreciate your podcast. You put them on all the time. You have great guests. This is all good stuff. So I'm flattered to be invited uh, to such a... Uh, Big timer podcast, man. Keep up the good work. I appreciate that, man. I'm just very happy that uh, people have been nice like yourself to come on and share their experiences. So I've been excited to come on, man. You have been uh, sharing so much stuff, man. You've just been uh, one of those guys that over the last like six to 12 months, you're just a giver on social media with the stuff you're doing with your, your deal structured crew. And I see people tagging you in different legal stuff and SEC yep. stuff and deal stuff. And you know, even uh, on the on the deal side, what you guys are doing all around, kind of taking over my state over here with your multifamily stuff. Get out of my state, but <laughs> yeah, dude, Illinois is uh, there's some deals, man. We'll we'll connect on one for sure. But yeah, so um, it's mostly ego that gets me on the internet. But also, <laughs> since I'm there, we uh, we do. You know, you and I were talking a little bit before about real estate being probably the only industry where many people just share their knowledge so other people can have wins too. So that that's probably my most favorite part of uh, dealing in the real estate industry is that I can help people close stuff, be happy. And, and, and what one thing we do uh, in our law firm with me and my brother Adam is we focus just on happy transactions. At least he and I, he and I do. We have other people that do this stuff that isn't so happy, like, you know, litigation and all that other stuff. But like we, we want at the end of working with somebody that there's some sort of success, right? So if it's like, you're, you're syndicating a big real estate project, it closes. Thank God the title company has finally stopped asking for things. Um, same for, you know, all sorts of real estate transactions and like estate planning, which is a bit of a bummer, but it's a relief to get that stuff done. And then uh, a lot of business stuff. So when you're, you know, acquiring businesses or selling businesses or starting a business, like we like all that stuff. So we focus on happy transactions, makes our lives a little more fun. And, um, and I think for clients too. So. Well, I think you check a lot of boxes and you, you serve a different purpose. And I think with, especially the legal stuff and the asset protection stuff, it reminds me a little bit of construction when people are like, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll put cabinets up. I'll do X, Y, and Z. I could just do it myself. But then they're like, well, the electric, maybe I don't want to touch that because that's the kind of thing where I don't even know enough to know what I'm touching that could kill me. And I feel like that's kind of where it is too. So for your stuff, the way that you can really just kind of tell everybody everything and be like, this is what you do. This is what you have to look out for. They're going to look at you and be like, mm, still sounds dangerous. I'm just going to involve you in the deal somehow. Like, so I feel like it's a great niche to be in because you like you really have to be an expert in your niche of like the legal side of it. You, you don't want to just go represent yourself. God forbid you have to go to court. So how much has that helped you from just giving value on that side that like explaining to people when they answer, you answer their questions of this is how you do it. This is the answer you're looking for to them saying, you know what, like, can you just come on and help with this deal? And like, how does that look? Do they just hire yeah. you? Do you get equity positions in there? Is it partnerships? Like, yeah, most, uh, yeah. yeah, most of our working with folks is just the, the old service, you know, professional. So, um, and we, we, by no means there's certain, you know, there's, there's all sorts of firms out there that will, will scare you into using, you know, the, the right SEC paperwork to close your deal. But for us, it's just like, look, the, the world is about risk, right? So if you're asking for a million dollars from 10 different strangers, I suggest you spend 
you know, some thousands of dollars to uh, make sure that you're doing it properly. So that's all we do. We pr provide information. Um, the, I think one of the, the best ways to earn kind of credibility and trust from people is just by being honest and providing a bunch of value. So the one thing we've been trying to do over, you know, probably the last two or three years um, was on the internet, trying to put out stuff where people can actually learn uh, which is kind of unusual in the in the legal world. Uh, a lot of it is for good reason is like somewhat held back um, because there's you know there's this big concern of well if you put anything on the internet and someone relies on it then they're going to come after you and sue you for something. I've, I uh, we can talk a little bit about perspective later, but like for me I, I don't I don't sweat that sort of thing. Probably should more. My wife would probably <laughs> appreciate that. Adam probably would appreciate it more, but um, we put it out there anyway. And that's kind of the idea of our our sharing content um, is to actually provide some value. And then with that, you know, is that people will generally reach out to you when they actually do have a problem. Um, so that's worked so far, and we're gonna keep it up. That's awesome, man. And I think what you you're you're delivering your personality with it. You're very approachable. You're very easy. You're it's like you said, you don't. I'm a simple person. I'm a yeah, simple yeah. person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think that, that makes people comfortable. But the good like, way, but like the good way of simple. I think yes, that's exactly. Yeah. Like you said, you, you don't overcomplicate it and use legal jargon just to scare people or like make them sure, feel like sure. they don't know what they're doing. Like I feel like people feel very comfortable coming to you with questions because, you know, even in person, we met a shout out to Tim Bratz, where I think it was the first time I met you. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Out in Utah. Utah, Park City, the elevation was beautiful. My butt, man. I had to Dude, get Dude, I'd be the same here. I, it was probably half hungover as well, but man, I got beat up. I got beat up real hard for like two days. I felt terrible. Adam, I went with Adam and he was, he was a champ. Didn't bother him at all, but man, I was out. I was done. I, I had to get an IV. I had a girl come to my room with her boyfriend and uh, maybe like the <laughs> liquid right. IV, man. Two birds with this one stone. Yeah. Yeah. She walked in. I was like, yes. And he was behind her. I was like, ah, uh, weak, <laughs> weak. But you know, so where, where does that part come from? Cause it almost reminds me of the, like the old cliche, we were talking about jujitsu a little bit prior, but it was, you know, if you own the jujitsu gym, you have to be scary and tough. And then like, you have the Matt Saros who were like, nah, man, like, I don't, I don't need that. I just want to have fun. I want people to be relaxed here. I want it to be a good environment. And I feel like from the legal side of it, that that's not a normal personality. You don't fit them all for like the boring cliche lawyer. And yeah. I feel like that's definitely going to help you in business. And I think people need more of that. So we have somebody we feel like we can go to. And if I ask you a stupid question, you'll make me laugh about it instead of feel stupid about it. So, <laughs> I will I make you feel stupid, but it'll be like a nice way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, the, uh, so a lot of, um, a lot of the legal world is like, just all you need to do is have someone help you like look behind the curtain, right? It's like, even on these syndications, I tell people all the time, if it's their first one, like, look, after we're done working together, you're going to go through it. And you'd be like, oh shit, that's it. That was it. And like, no, really, that's it. So um, we get a lot of uh, kick out of peeling the curtain back, telling people how it, how it can work and how they could do it if they wanted to do it that way. And, um, and that's satisfying. Obviously money is fun, right? Money kind of helps with everything, but there is a lot of, a lot of benefit to helping people, you know, close deals and be happy at the end of the day. And then also selfishly a little bit con Manny is that they will come back to you if you uh, provide that value for them. So, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the idea. And, and it helps a lot that the whole profession is, is full of kind of stuffy, overprotective, <laughs> you know, and we saw that as an opportunity. So when we opened up our law firm six years ago in March, um, we had this really great kind of giant client that all we had to do was basically get out of bed and we would cycle through the work and we would get paid. It was almost like having a, like a boss, like a W2 job. So it was great. Um, but when that dried up because they didn't, they didn't get the bid for this other giant tax lien in Ohio. We thought, Oh no, <laughs> Oh no. Where did all the water go? Uh, and, and, and in that, so about three, you know, three ish, four -ish years ago, we thought, Holy cow, we should have started this two or three years ago, networking and building our online presence and all that stuff. Uh, and, and it was really out of desperation. It was like, dude, we have like no one knocking at our door. Uh, we don't really have a niche outside of this really weird one that only, works for these huge buyers that only happen every once in a while. So uh, from there, we started focusing on networking and the importance of networking. And, and from that, we just started bothering people. And since we're nice, they usually invite us back to talk more. And, um, and that's kind of been it. So uh, networking is key. Any business, you know, if you're opening up a jujitsu, you know, uh, shop, 
it doesn't matter. Location would obviously be helpful, but like as important as anything is like, Hey, you got to go meet people to drag them in. You got to be sociable. You got to be personable. And uh, that's something we've been utilizing a lot. Um, we had a very nice childhood. So our parents gave us a lot of hugs. So we're generally pretty nice people. Uh, and that's really paid off, man. I mean, it's, it's being nice is probably 90% of really everything. So um, we're going to try to keep that up. No, I, I feel like that's slowly, probably that sounds bad, but becoming a little bit of like my new mantra every day where like, keep it simple. And I'm trying to think of like, what's going to fire me up today? What's my message for the day? The last like month or so, I've just been like, you know what, just be cool. You know, yes. it makes all the difference in the world. Like uh, Adam Whitney, like real good real estate guy. He's part of a bunch of other groups I'm in. And like, I got to go meet him and David Perret uh, a couple of weeks ago Sweet. at the Flipbackers Live things, man. And they were just so cool. You know, they were yep. like, we didn't really talk that much shop, but it was just like me for a beer. The second you meet him, it's just kind of like, hey, like big hug picture. Like I see it. And I was nice. like, it makes you just want to go like, just do more with those people when they're just cool. And it was like, there was no agenda. It was just, you know, just be cool and just have a conversation and people will just naturally, something will fit at some point. You know what I mean? I, I think that's that, that's good, simple advice that people can take away yeah. to really grow their network and business is just don't go in with an angle or agenda. Just be cool. Just good vibes, man. Yeah. And, and I think one of the, what's really hard though, when you're just starting is how quick you want the transaction to happen, right? Like how, how many, how many seconds do we have to spend together before you cut me a check? Like yeah. that, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot to that. Like there's a real draw to want to focus on that, but you have to, you have to know that like everything takes longer than you want to. So relationships take longer, uh, getting to that check takes longer than you want it to. But you know, if you, if you go in kind of clear eyed on that, then it's going to make your life a lot easier. So. I definitely want to talk obviously about what you guys are doing with multifamily. I want to talk about some of the do's and don'ts of raising funds. And I want to continue to talk about perspective for sure. I thought that was really good insight. Um, but I do want to ask you from taking the shift from being kind of your own real estate attorney to really going into actually being an investor and jumping in on these deals. I'm really interested in the mindset because you're from Ohio where there's a lot of big players, you know, you're at the Tim Bratz event and I'm always interested in the mindset because even doing like this podcast, like when people are coming on, they ask me questions They're like, Hey, can I talk to you about multifamily? I'm almost like, well, why wouldn't you just go listen to Tim's podcast and ask Tim, like, why wouldn't you just skip right over me? And, you know, I just had Michael Blanc on, like, why would somebody ask? But, you know, like I said, I guess there's levels yep. to people coming there, but you get this mindset of like, well, if like Rod Cleef and Tim Brads and Michael Blanc are on there, like, why even bother going into commercial real estate? There's not enough, to, you know, but meanwhile, people are collaborating on these deals. But I yep. think that scarcity mindset initially, when you walk into like a mastermind and there's all these guys working the same markets and doing the same type of things, it's hard to think that you can get involved in that or compete with that or, you know, like it, yep. it's like chat a little bit when you see, especially how far they've come. Like, Hey, I'm trying to get my first 20, 30 units. This guy's working on like 5,500 or whatever it is. So yeah. being that you kind of like our neighbors with him and work with him early, what was your mindset coming in initially and what really like triggered you thinking like, I can do this. We're going to go after this now. Yeah. So um, it's funny. One thing that really helped just a simple uh, simple thing was we have a co-star account and we looked up like, Hey, 50 units or more in Ohio. And it was like thousands upon thousands of assets, not just doors, but like, you know, I think there was some 4,000 assets just in Ohio of like 50 units or more or something like that. So for that, like, that was like, Oh, okay. There's plenty of sand in the sandbox that we can like take down all sorts of stuff. And then early on too, it was actually in that Utah event that you and I were at. Adam and I went to this uh, mastermind, Tim Broth's mastermind, mastermind, and uh, and we've learned a ton from Tim. Like uh, you know, I nagged him a couple years <laughs> ago, and he was nice enough to you know split a couple minutes with me. But uh, he says he says he doesn't uh, he doesn't let people pick pick his brain anymore. I think I was the last one, so that's you okay. ruined it. You ruined it for everybody. <laughs> I ruined it for everybody else in your face, in your face. <laughs> um, so. The, the, that idea, one, is that the sandbox is big enough. And then, um, and then second, at this event, we were like, hey, let's do this. We keep closing these deals for other people. What are we waiting for? And then we decided, like, what do we actually do well? Are we manly construction guys? Absolutely not. If you meet us in person, you'll see why. Um, the only thing we can really do well is uh, talk to strangers, build relationships with them, and then hopefully they trust us enough to, to, to give us some dough and and jump into one of our deals so that was it we we're like hey look we're never gonna get we're never gonna own 90 percent of any deal we're never gonna do that i don't ever want to talk to you know the guy about to pour concrete i don't want to do any sort of um 
construction type of thing because I'll never learn how to do it. So I'll, I'll probably be getting gouged the whole time. Um, so I'm not going to do that. So the, the thing we do well is meet strangers and uh, build relationships from that point. Uh, and then we're like, let's just let's just try to get little pieces of a bunch of pieces. Uh, so, you know, we're like, we're never going to own more than 20 percent of any asset. And then um, and let's just try to find operators that we want to help grow with. So uh, we actually met a couple other guys at another Tim Bratz event. And uh, we, we built up uh, two assets with them out in your neck of the woods and uh, one in uh, Rantoul, which is about 10 miles away from Champaign, Illinois. And the other one is in Peoria, Illinois, the uh, nation's was it whiskey capital or something like that? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we've done that. And then that's our thing. So now we're like, okay, let's, let's, let's try to find a couple other operators that like doing the, uh, or at least um, enjoy enough, the contractor calls and things, and we'll just be part of their team. And, and that's kind of what, that's kind of what we've been doing. And that's going to be the focus for the next, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 years or whatever, but we don't ever want to, I would rather be overly generous on, on giving away, um, equity and my other partners that are probably going to do more than thinking I'm not holding up my end of the bag. So that's a great, you know, we talk so about for you, man, like you, you should just do what I do. Just meet strangers. All you do is smile. People will, <laughs> you know, you ask them to dive into a deal with you. And I mean, dude, you get, that's the thing. If you get five deals and you're at 15% or whatever, like that's a lot of equity in whatever number of assets that is. So, um, or number, number of doors that is, I think that's more important than, um, you know, trying to run the whole thing yourself. Nobody wants, nobody, nothing worse than sharing a loss by yourself, but almost as bad as sharing wins by yourself. Like that's no fun either. So. I like that. You know, so the syndication model is something I, I really haven't done. I, I have been doing most of the things with just individual private lenders or, or like close knit people that we've just done the deals together with just two or three of us. Yeah, man. How does that model work for somebody listening and they don't understand really what a syndication is? Like, how is it structured? How do the payouts, like, it, it, let's say you're in the situation where you are, like, how do you make money on a deal as a syndicator? Yeah, so um, so you have one person that's kind of running the show. That's called a promoter or the syndicator, whatever you want to call it. Let's call it syndicator for, for today's show. <laughs> so a syndicator finds a deal in Peoria, Illinois. Um, syndicator has, a, like, a team. So I'm a member of that team. Uh, usually, all, all a syndication is is stacking other people's money in pursuit of some objective. In multifamily's case, it's stacking other people's money to close a commercial loan. So if you need, if it's a million dollar asset, you're gonna need $750,000 worth of, of bank money and then $250,000 worth of other money. And if you can't bring up the $250,000 yourself, you're gonna ask people that you know, like, and trust or strangers if you do the kind of the, the more public offering and they're going to put their money into your pot to, to build that 250. And if you're built, if you're using other people's money to fill that pot, then you got to do some SEC paperwork. That's what we do. And that's really all it is. And then if, if, if you're part of the syndication team, like let's say Nick finds this million dollar property, Nick's the syndicator. And I'm, I'm part of, uh, of Nick's team to help close the deal. We share in either an acquisition fee or we share in the cash flow if there's any. Uh, we share in the net proceeds if there's a refinance or the proceeds if there's a sale. So, um, and then the the people that put their money in the two fifty two hundred fifty thousand dollar pot, they're usually getting um, they're getting paid usually every quarter as some sort of preferred return for their money, and then they're going to own uh, equity during that deal and probably in in perpetuity if you're going to hold on to the deal for a long time. So. Um, it's really not that complicated. Um, it, it'd be better if I had a little whiteboard behind me <laughs> to go on, but, uh, for purposes of listening while, while driving, um, that's really it. It's stacking other people's money up for some objective in our case, closing a multifamily project. So, so where does that leave you as far as the, the numbers on the deal? Because I, I see people taking down these multi-million dollar A-class assets that are like four, four and a half cap. And then yeah, they're, they're not making they're, any money. Yeah, that's like that's what I was missing there. I was like, if you're buying, uh, like so, they're, so they're making money at the buy. So you know, you do these syndications. It's a twenty-five million dollar purchase. They're usually taking some percent, one uh, percent or less, probably on a twenty-five million dollar buy. So even if it's one percent, right? I mean, that's a huge chunk of money. Um, so that's usually where they do it, and usually they can take some cash flow from the gross proceeds. Maybe they're doing some asset management. You know, they're uh, talking to the property manager and stuff. 
But um, like people like Grant Cardone, he makes the money on the front end and he makes money if there's some uh, to take during um, asset management. Those big class A properties, that's where you get it, the front end. And you get it on the back end too if you're improving it. But a lot of times there's no improvement. Um, and then the other ones you see where there's some strange Miami deal that someone you know is buying in at a two and a half cap. Those are people that are basically like, hey, I want this money to be somewhere um, for the next 10 years because I, I just don't want to burn it up myself or have it, you know, earning 0%. So they, you know, they don't need a lot of uh, return on that money. So they just park it in some, some hard asset like a Miami class A and uh, hope that it's there in 10 years. So that's a great answer. Cause it was always that missing piece of, I was like, you know, how are you promising this pref to this investor when your cap rate is actually lower than that? You, are you paying them out of pocket? Like you wouldn't be raising the money if you could do that, you know? Sure. So yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, and there's a lot, so there's a difference between a return on capital and a return of capital. And a lot of times those are like return of capital. So it's like, you know, you're getting money, you're getting money every month, but it's basically, you're just getting some of your money back every month because it doesn't cash flow or something like that. So it just, it just totally depends. But if you're doing the simple back of the mat, uh, napkin math, and uh, it doesn't check out, it's because a couple of things. It's either because the money is so cheap and they don't really care all that much about, you know, everybody wants a better return, but they're also like, I'd rather spend it in this guy's class A and expect that it'll appreciate over time. And I know it'll be back in 10 years when I need it. So, and some of these other deals too are like, so the, the kind of the more Tim Brott syndication is the flip of the old fashioned kind, which is like, syndicator only owns 10 or 20% of the deal and then investors own 80 or 90%. His is a flip of that. So, um, and those usually only work on big value ads because if you do it well, your refinance will kick out the capital of the investors like entirely, and then they can hold on to that deal forever. So it just depends how you structure it, but that, that's usually, you know, if your gut's like, what the hell, that doesn't make any sense. It's because it doesn't on how <laughs> you and I would do it. But if you got cheap enough money out there, you're like, Oh yeah, I'll park it in this, you know, Seattle, Washington three cap. And the yeah. thing too, also people, if someone's marketing it as a four and a half cap, it's really more like a 2.8 cap. So just know that when you're, um, you don't really know what you own until you own the damn thing. So you'll exactly. find that out too. No, that's great info. So talking about your specific deals now, I know. So like, what was it that made you decide on first off markets, you know, Peoria outside Champaign, um, what kind of, kind of logistics do you look for? It's like demographics. Like what are some of the anchors in there that you're going? Okay. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. So, um, we, the one we, we bought outside of Champaign, that was something we were working on for almost a year. Like it was, we had a, another huge asset attached to it. That one took a dump and we, we bailed on that one. And then this other one, it just happened to be a seller that was, you know, got to know, we work with these guys named Daryl and Kevin. Uh, Daryl got to really know the seller well. So he was very patient with us. And, and, and we learned a lot of dirt because we have a great relationship with the city. Um, Daryl is out there often and we get out there too. Um, but that really helped a lot because now we got, we got to look behind the curtain with the city and we know all sorts of cool things coming down the pike in Champaign and in specifically in the city we're in or the village we're in Rantoul, which used to be an old air force, uh, air force town that got, you know, dried up, I think in like 96 or 97 or something like that. So there's just a ton of, there's just a ton of inventory there. So the reason we picked these is because just the price point was really good. We bought in at, um, in Rantoul at about 25 a door. So we'll be all in at about 35 a door and, you know, the cap rate out there is pretty good. So we'll, we'll do fine on that one. And the same for Peoria. We picked those because they happen to be brought over to us. I don't really even remember how. And <laughs> that one we actually bought from the bank. So that's something we really want to get into is how do we buy from these bank servicers or direct from the bank? Because those price points are just going to be better. Um, and I think if you buy right, as long as you're not a complete clown, um, you're going to do okay. So that's kind of our, that's our plan is buy right. Even if we clown, we will do okay. So. That's interesting because it's almost the opposite strategy of single family, where it's usually like when the banks have them to a point before they release them, a lot of the times they're completely unrealistic with yep. what the price point is. And you, you have to basically buy a bulk of them if you're going to get them directly from there. But so I haven't heard that before. How do you work with banks to get this one was so this one ended up coming. Somebody somebody bailed on it and then they sent it over to us. 
And it was actually, and it was weird. We didn't really know it was a bank uh, until we started working with the broker. And he's like, oh, it's through a servicer. And I was like, oh, cool. So it's not something we pursued ourselves off market. It, it would be great if we could, but they're, they're all, they're all very annoyed with small operators <laughs> like us. So they're like, oh, it's, an, you know, unless, we, unless you're a big family office or an institution, they don't really want to sell to us. It was just this other one failed and they were somewhat desperate. Um, and desperation calls, we, we, we take it. So, <laughs> so it's good. So far, so good. So what is your process as far as, so I know like you're raising the money, but how much of a hand do you have? Like somebody says, okay, I know you're out there, you're raising funds. Here's the deal I have. Now, you, do you take it and you evaluate, you make sure it fits all, you know, like what's the system of checks and balances for actually underwriting the deal? Yeah. So um, one thing, you know, if you, if, if you're going to raise money for other, you know, like you do just on the single family side, right. Is this, it, you got to make sure that it, it passes your smell test because you're putting other people's money at risk that are relying on you pretty much entirely. So yeah, we just run through it. You know, we look at the due diligence items as best we can. Unfortunately, you don't really know until you own the thing. Um, but you, 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 you look as hard as you can. And, and, and a lot of it too is, is relationship based. Um, make sure you know the broker well, ask that broker questions, follow up with that broker to make sure the questions get answered. And if something doesn't smell right, you gotta, you gotta bring it up, bring it up early. So, um, that's, that's it. You, you basically wholly rely on the due diligence they send over. You do your own kind of inspection on site and stuff to see if things really check out. Um, but it's, you know, some things are impossible to tell until you own the thing. So. I think that that's a great point. You know, I've, I've been wholesaling a lot of multifamily and mobile home parks and, you know, right up until the day of closing, there's always some stuff that pops up. So like, I'm always trying to give them the, you know, here's the good, the bad and the ugly. And every time I feel like, all right, I really know it all now, the next deal comes along and I'm like, you know, I feel like almost like a dick. Cause I'm like, dude, I, how was I supposed to like, there's always something new or something different. And for sure, you know, so you like, wh what do you do to account for that? I mean, do you have a, obviously, you're, you're padding some stuff on there for the, for the yep. unknown, but I, I have to assume that you helping other people get into their deals too. Like, and just hearing different stories, it's gotta be nice to learn sometimes by their experiences and the stuff that they've learned to help you kind of cut that curve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, early on, I think one of, uh, actually I think it was Tim, but he, um, you know, there are so many people now that check their storm drains and their sewer drains and stuff from the multifamily because he spent a bunch of dough uh, not doing that. So um, that's one of the things is, yeah, understanding someone else's problem. The thing that's hard is always remembering that. So it's like, you know, how do you how do you account for that stuff? Hopefully you have a due diligence checklist and that's one you add when you hear of a bad one. So. Please yeah, I've been, I've been trying to get better at doing that, of just keeping a Google Doc and just adding things as they come. And yeah, you know, as I see do, man. I mean, it's it's an it's an imperfect, especially on little small operations like us, right? It's like um, we're 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 certainly not perfect, and uh, but you do the best you can. And if you buy right, man, I mean that's where it's at. Do not do not buy at a four and a half cap in Peoria, Illinois. <laughs> um, you're not going to make money. So uh, so yeah, I mean that buying right is by far the most important real estate principle out there, because if you buy with equity in it, even if you're off, even if someone lied to you a little bit, you're still going to be able to cover the nut. And if, uh, but if you buy too expensive, man, you're going to be needing to raise money or figure it out afterwards. And you're going to be putting, putting the project at risk for sure. So what is your buy box? Where do, what are you guys looking for? What kind of deals are you taking down? For, um, like for, for now, I'm, I'm good with these two because I want to make sure these things are cranking, but um, I like anything that is a good low price point and uh, is in a, is in a, a, a good blue collar market. Um, I have some, we're looking at one that's like more of like a class A with a, with a buddy ours that um, we might tag team if it works out, but I don't really have a buy box. It's just kind of like, there's so many things that have to be kind of lined up to get on board. It's like, do I have enough time to really look at it? Do I have time to commit to, you know, these partners that we're going to take this down together. Cause one thing we don't, another part of focusing on happy transactions is I don't want to be working my ass off every day. I'm not into that <laughs> at all. So, um, so yeah, that there's, there's gotta be some bit of luck involved too. It's just, do I have the time to do it? Is it something that kind of beats the gut test and is it actually a good deal? I don't want to buy some, you know, 65 unit per door that is in some, everyone tells me this market is so great, but it's a, it's a, it's still a turd. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, does it pass the turd test? Yes or no. So, but yeah, I don't really have a buy box. Like I don't have like, Oh, I'm a hundred units or more in, you know, 
I don't, I don't have one. It just kind of like, if, if this is a, a partner that I want to work with and it's, and it's time that I think I can commit to it, then that's kind of the buy box, but I haven't been, I haven't been doing this that long either. You know, I mean, we only own two assets. We closed both of those this year. Ask me five years from now, maybe I'll have a buy box or, or have some idea um, on what that looks like. Man, I, I'm glad you said that because I'm, I'm like that too. And the fact that I'm, I'm almost willing to look with the exception of like a really bad area or like something that's just, you know, completely crazy, but look at everything. And then I, I get a lot of, I get a lot of shit for it. Cause how do you not know your buy box? How do you, you can't be more. Yeah, well, like that's how yeah, I wind up. With people, when people stuff. say, people say that stuff like that, like if someone was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you don't know that. It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm talking to you. Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> like get out of here. I don't, you're not my mother. I already have a mother. Like get out of here. Yeah. I mean, um, like even in the last six months, it's like we entitled and annexed, uh, like, uh, I always look like everybody can see out the window there, but like a nine acre 31 unit development. And then dude, wholesaled dude. and sold. Thanks man. You know, did like some mobile home park stuff, did a six figure hotel, like just did a sub two that is going to be like sick cash flow. got it with some equity. Like, and they're all completely Where's that? What state is that one? Is that the one you were talking about a while ago? It's in Illinois. Oh, okay. Nice. No, I think the one you were talking about was uh, New York maybe, but dude, sweet. Good for you. But I'd say like, if, if, if I put myself in a box of like, these are the only things I'm looking for, I, I might've done one of those deals, but I would have never been open to those other things. So I I do think there's something to say for just having a lot. And I think, I think we're a lot of like for that sort of thing. Like people are like, I only focus on one thing. Like the thing that, gives me the most heartburn are people that are like flipping houses and crushing it. And then they go to one of these conferences and like, Oh, I'm all in, I'm burning the ships. I'm getting rid of all the shit. Like, <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like you're telling me you're making, you know, easy quarter million dollars a year, not even really having to work very hard. All you do is, is close some, close some flips and you're going to dump that because now you're going to get into multifamily. Like, and that might be a bad thing, right? I don't know. And I may be always chasing shiny objects, but just do you, you know, like, don't worry about everybody else. Just do you. So if you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I love that advice, man. I, I got to tell myself that almost daily. You know, so speaking of doing you, the, the part that I think you obviously have a wealth of knowledge on that most people have no idea what they're doing is about raising funds. Like for instance, I was just, uh, I was just away actually at that other conference and this guy writes to me on um, like Facebook messenger and tells me to call him and I call him and he basically is like, Hey man, I'm looking for $500,000 for one deal and $10 million for another deal. And I'm like, all right, okay. like, who are you? You know, and <laughs> yeah, he's right. like, well, this is who I am. And like, this is where these deals are. I'm like, all right, well, like, what do you have any experience? He's like, well, not really. No. And I was like, okay, well, can you You're off to a great start, buddy? But I was still like, all right, well, <laughs> you know what? Like, put, put something in writing, send me over something. And he's like, I just told you, he's like, I need 500,000 for this one. We're going to buy it. We're going to raise the rents and we need 10 million for this one. We're going to do the same thing. And I'm like, all right, I, I guess I'll call you back. But like, there's so like, how do you just call some for like uh, taking aside, like the lack of like business etiquette for that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I don't think he realizes that like, I'm pretty sure it's illegal to just hit somebody up on Facebook and be like, can I get $10 million for a deal? Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's weird for sure. Um, and it depends. He probably has no idea if it's illegal or not, you know, and that's part of the, and it's interesting because I've only been doing syndication work for a couple of years too, but it was funny very early on. I was actually talking to a, a good sized commercial broker and I was like, yeah, we're doing this PPM or whatever. And he is, he had no idea. And he, you know, I bet this guy had closed like hundreds of deals um, on his own before. So it, it's something um, that it's continuing to like grow education wise and people are out there and it's, you know, it's self-serving for me to talk about this stuff. Cause then I get paid. Right. <laughs> um, but, but I'm, I'm really surprised. And I, and I talked, I got um, Chris Litzer is a big, broker friend and just the nicest lender. If anybody needs a lender out there, check out Chris Litzer. Um, 
I was talking to him. It's, it's interesting now, only a couple of years ago, they, the banks weren't all that interested in like, show me your operating agreement, show me you have the, you have the ability to actually open this bank account and be the person in charge, you know? Um, and that's been a new evolution is like, now you can't open any business, you know, you, you could start a, a cookie company, you know, that you're doing on as a side hustle. And if you're trying to open a bank account, the bank's like, send me your operating agreement. You know, if you don't have it, I don't have the power to do it. You know, all this other stuff. Um, and I'm, 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 I don't think it'll be too long where now banks are going to require these private placements. At least they should. So let's say you, let's say you are raising a million bucks for a deal or this guy, 10 million bucks, like who calls people is like, Hey, I need 10 million bucks. <laughs> like get out of here. Like somebody calls me and tells me that like, uh, Oh, this, this must be one of those like uh, fake, like IRS calls or something. <laughs> uh, but, but banks, when there's not a private placement involved, there's not all these boring lawyer disclosures and all these other uh, things involved, it really puts the bank's money at risk. So like, let's say you you, you raise a million dollars, it's a $4 million deal, the bank is giving you 3 million bucks. If you don't do one of these private placements and one of your investors is like, hey, I know you told me over the phone that I needed to commit this money for two years, but I want it back tomorrow, even though you just closed the loan and, and you don't have the capital with you, I want to do it tomorrow. Like if you don't have the paperwork saying, hey, hey bro, you signed this stuff, like look at all this look, here's like 180 pages of stuff that you probably wholly ignored, but you signed it. And that, you know, the bank's money now, like if this guy goes AWOL and he's just goes guns blazing, like, Hey, you got to pay me or else I'm calling, you know, securities and exchange commission. And then they're going to be knocked at the door. Like the sec will intrude on the deal. And now it's like, okay, the operators are all locked up, you know, the operating uh, or the managing member is kind of, you know, in turmoil. It does put the bank's project and their money at risk. So at some point, I think they're going to be like, hey, boring lawyers everywhere. We're going to require <laughs> this now. And um, and yeah, so I'll be interested to see if that is that like two years from now or is that like 50 years from now or never. But I, I, I will, I expect that to happen, especially on these commercial loans because commercial lenders, um, you know, they do put their neck out and it's a lot of money on the line for them too. And for your operators to be raising like this guy, $10 million for a deal probably means it's like a $30 million deal. Um, if he doesn't know that he needs to have a private placement for that, like that's, that's, that should be a big worry for the bank. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, and it, the crazy part was he had already raised a bunch of funds for it. And I was like, somebody actually gave you money based on a phone call off of Facebook. Yeah, like you don't yeah. have anything in writing. Like, what? Dude, I mean, I think for me, the, the, the wildest thing for me from a guy in Portage County, it's like rural, you know, out in the middle of nowhere to understand like how much money there is out there is, is very strange. Like I, I'll, I don't know if I'll ever get my mind around it, but you know, even on our deals where people stroke us checks, it's like so much money. And to think that they're good sized players, but they are a very, very small fish in a giant pond of cash out there. Um, that is always fascinating to me is, is how much money's out there. Like all these PE, you know, PE shops that are buying all these single families everywhere. Like they are just trying to spend billions of dollars a month on single family side of things. Um, and it's fascinating that it's like, Hey, I got to spend a, a billion dollars in Cleveland, you know, <laughs> uh, on the single family side. It's just, it's, it's, it's strange for sure. It is kind of crazy, man. And before we jump into the perspective stuff, last question on the on the lending money for people listening, what what are some do's and don'ts? You know, I know there's accredited investors, non-accredited investors, yeah. 506B, 506C, like that stuff obviously is way over my head, way above my pay grade. Yeah, yeah. What's some like layman's terms, things you can drop on us for that? So first things first is you have to know uh, who you can who you can have invest in your project. So is it friends and family? That's 506B for buds and blood. Beavis and Butthead, those guys. Um, so that that if that's your network, if you think you can raise your money from bees, uh, the bee side of thing, buds and blood, then you can only market to those people. If you're like, hey, I've looked through my personal Rolodex of people I know really well, and they're good for zero, then you got to go out to the crowd. You got to go to the community. So that's a 506C exemption. And there's all sorts of different exemptions, but that's the one we use for most of our real estate clients. So those are the two things. And then third, before you do anything and you're going to ask people for money, just uh, spend some time learning about it. So the internet, you know, the Google machine has tons of information on it. YouTube University has tons of information on it. And if you want to go on the paper 
paperback side of things. Uh, Gene Trowbridge, he's a syndication lawyer, kind of like godfather type of uh, this sort of stuff, at least for me, because he's the guy that I've known that's done it the longest. He has a great book and it's great perspective. It helps understand how the whole thing works. Um, it's called, it's a whole new business, I think. Great book, cheap. It's like 20 bucks. Um, almost looks like a workbook, but it's got anything you ever, if you read through that once, you'll be really sophisticated and you'll be in great shape. So read that. And then uh, Joe Fairless, right? The best uh, syndication book ever, or whatever it's called. Like that's a great book. If you read that thing cover to cover, you will be a wizard um, and uh, you'll be in good shape. So those are nuggets. 506B, Buds and Blood. If, the, if that's your network that you can raise money from, then you just get to market to them. Nobody else, not allowed to advertise it on the internet. If you're going to go to the community, you can talk about it on the internet. You can even be a, a strange guy and, and hit somebody up on Facebook Messenger. Uh, but you got to know what you're doing. So be careful. Great advice. Valid advice. I actually just bought the Joe Fairless book. So that's next on my agenda to- uh... Dude, solid. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've looked at it lots of times. I've never read it. <laughs> <laughs> we got it like, we saw him at a, I don't know what it was, maybe- we used to go to a lot of debt. Oh no, it was a, it was a bigger pockets thing or something out in uh, Philly a couple of years ago. Cool. And he spoke at it and we bought it right then. And I've looked at it lots of times. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know how it is. Yeah, that's, yeah, please do. <laughs> so perspective was something that you and I were having a, an interesting conversation prior and, you know, you can go as, as deep as you wanted to it or, or, you know, or just oh, yeah, sure. stuff, man. But, um, there was something to be said, because I think with what you and I do with being an entrepreneur, being in real estate, you know, going and traveling around and rubbing shoulders and having cocktails with the Tim Bratz of the world, it, it looks awesome and it is, but there is a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of ups and downs, everything's not always rainbows and sunshine, and you have to have the stomach for it, and I feel like a lot of people, when they get into something that looks new and promising and exciting, they don't consider the fact that it could be hard, and once things start to get hard, they quit or they go back to their nine to five, or they realize that as much as they want money, they're not really doing something that's making them happy. And there's really no longevity in something like that. And I think that kind of brings back to where you had said, which I think is an important point for everybody to listen to. Like, yeah, there's a lot of money in real estate, but if you hate every piece of it, or you hate people, or you don't have like the, just the stomach or the patience for it, it's not going to work out for you long-term. Like you really need to find the thing that that resonates with you and makes you happy and kind of fulfills some of those needs, not just financially, but in other ways. So I loved all the stuff you were saying, if you could dig a little bit more into like what your perspective is on that and how you came about. Yeah, sure. So um, kind of the goal of every day should just be like, Hey, how do I make today the best? Right. And it, and it comes from perspective of like bad things happening. So uh, we, we talked a little bit before I, I used to own a pizza shop, me and my brothers who are also my best friends, which means I just don't know how to make friends. <laughs> uh, is uh so we we bought this pizza shop in august of 2013 yeah august 2013 so we get it super pumped our older brother already owned a pizza shop this is gonna be fun we're just gonna dick around we're gonna market we're gonna like make make some money of course that's that's kind of the idea but more so like this is gonna be just a great happy thing well we own it for a little over two months and our older brother coming home from black friday the big dummy wanted to be open after Thanksgiving. We're like, don't open after Thanksgiving. He opened anyway. Um, and on his way home, the semi-truck pulled out in front of him and he, and he passed away. So um, fun is now over. And now me and me and younger brother, Adam, who at the time was just a law student and I was a relatively new lawyer of uh, about four years or so. Now I want a pizza shop that we know nothing about and um, just totally sucked. So we own this pizza shop a couple more years and, and that, that was, that was dumb. And I'm, and I'm glad we don't own that anymore. But with, with, with the tragedy of our brother passing away, you do get a whole new perspective on the world, right? When you lose like a parent or a spouse or a best friend or anything like that, you realize um, how unimportant many things are and how important certain things are. And, and, and you figure out how to focus on doing more of those important things. So the perspective for me is just like, now that we've been through that sort of thing um, for us and our family and, and, and obviously his family that he left behind, like we just don't sweat shit anymore. We don't, we obviously stress about everything. Like, you know, all weekend I had this stupid project to do and I worry about that. And I think to myself, why the fuck am I doing this? Um, <laughs> but, but it is different. Like you just, you know, you don't sweat certain things. And, and, and that's, and, and I, I talked a little bit earlier about, uh, 
I'm going to credit Stephen Colbert, who credited someone smarter than Stephen Colbert, but it's really good if you learn to love the things that you wish had not happened the most. So in my case, if you would have asked me, let's see, we're eight years late. If you would ask me 10 years ago, you know, what sort of outcome would happen if your older brother passed away, I would have been, of course, been like, I cry for 10 years. I'm in a, I'm in a cave, you know, uh, or, or thinking about, you know, falling in a well. Um, but like remarkably, and it's probably some sort of defense mechanism, but it did, it like, it's, it's totally changed my perspective. I'm still a dick. I'm not always happy. Like if you ask my wife, she's probably like, I mean, I think you're actually more of an asshole now, than you were before. <laughs> but it is like, I, we just don't, we don't sweat stuff. And that's the thing. I think if you can learn to see the silver lining of bad things, like it, it totally changes things. And I feel like that's happened for us. We've done, we've done a nice job. We, I mean, I get to work with my brother every day. Like how, how nice is that? He, um, he, he, he puts up with way more shit than I do. Uh, he's the nicer one. I'm the, uh, I'm the shiny object chaser. Um, and he's the, he's the, he's the better one at being like a, a pro and everything else. But yeah, I mean, that's it. Perspective is, is, is important. And then with that too, I'm going to continue my ramble here. Um, find this overlining in the bad stuff. And then as far as also understanding perspective, we're big network guys. So like we come on this podcast cause Nick is just the nicest guy. And then, uh, and, and we will <laughs> go on, uh, we also, we also stress to people like the importance of building your network and, and growing and everything else. And because you don't have perspective of things, especially if you're like a 20 year old kid, listen to a podcast, like how do I get into real estate or how do I get into like the world? Like you're having a hard time figuring it out. You need to meet people and, and, and get new perspective. Because if you're like me and Adam, who really didn't start networking until we were like 30, you don't have, you don't really have any idea, like, what's it like to be a lawyer? What's it like to run a podcast? What it's like to be a doctor until you meet people and like talk to them about it and spend time doing it. So I feel like perspective is, and, and being a curious person, is just such an important part of, of doing what you like that'll make you happy. And until you experience something that can get you there, like, you know, it's unfair to think that you'll figure it out. So get out there, find the, find the good and the bad, and then also meet strangers. Uh, so you can get that get that perspective. So I love that, man. W weren't you working on a book last time I saw you? It was, was it, well, we're always working on a book, bro. Not <laughs> strangers though. Another shiny object. Yeah. So, um, yes, we are working on a book. We, we have this lady that's tag teaming with us. She's smarter. She writes the words down and we help at it. So it will be done. It will be done. And in the, the shelves, uh, of some imaginary electronic bookshelf, probably, uh, within six months or so. So we'll see. That's kind of the idea. But that's all about it's all about networking, um, and it's all about the importance of that. So that's that's kind of the idea, because we want we want like college freshmen, right? You're like you're 19 years old. You're like, oh god, another another rambling idiot, you know, in my first week of of undergraduate school or in high school or whatever it is, or like a you know, if you're a 35 year old still trying to figure yourself out, or 45 or 50 year old, just like the importance of meeting one person that can change your entire future path for me it was meeting tim brats at a coffee shop in lakewood ohio like had i not met that guy who knows what i'd be doing i'd probably be like you know the even even worse looking like divorce lawyer or something like that <laughs> so uh but i'm not and and i owe that to meeting this person that i threw you know i connected with him on the internet i'm like what the fuck this guy seems important i'll throw my hat out there and he you know he he bit the line and and uh you know we've spent a lot of time together ever since so but i wouldn't have done that if i didn't realize like I need to get a big baller in my network and it worked out. So I think that's awesome, man. And, and I think your, your book, although it might not do well in children's shelves, the talk to strangers title overall, I think it's uh, you know, you're talking about younger guys and you made me think of it when you said, Hey, maybe you're not in college, maybe you're 35, 45, 55. I think more than ever in this country, people yeah. are being forced to reinvent themselves right now and get back sure. out there, whether they just lost somebody they love to COVID and they haven't had to go out and be social or even to like, I went out with a couple of my best friends and I hadn't really like been out around people in months and months. And it was kind of weird. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think there's, there's always a need to know how to go back out there and just have that little extra push. Because like you said, dude, I was at Tim's first commercial empire. And I remember like meeting Steve Morris and he was just the guy that was kind of sharing the office. And now you look like a few years later, like what that guy's doing. And, you know, I met you in Salt Lake city and then I just, right. I met Gary Gunderson there. And then I saw his thing and, you know, then you hooked me up with Austin Rutherford, by the way, that was a great interview. And it, like, just 
there's all these things that over there that pivot from just these initial conversations. Whereas if you go with your gut sometimes of like, I'm just going to go to my room and, you know, or go to the bar by myself or, you know, go to the gym and I'm not yep. going to go mingle or just say hi, or, you know, just something goofy. It makes all the difference in the world, you know, and especially for the introverts of there, like just saying hello for five minutes and then following up with a phone call or text message or an email or a Facebook post or something later on has led to business and friendships and opportunities. And, you know, I think it's very easy to, to, especially now with mental health and people kind of being locked up for the last 18 months. I think that that's a huge need for people to go out there and having a fun title like that to get you to want to pick it up and read it. I think you're serving not only a, a good professional um, solution that people have, but I think on the personal side too, that's really great advice for people to do to go back out there and just connect as humans again after this last crazy year or so. Dude, for sure. Everything's practice, right? So like meeting strangers, like we do it for a living. So we're pretty, you know, we're pretty dialed in on that, but it takes practice meeting uh, somebody opposite sex, like, you know, trying to find a mate. I mean, that takes a lot of practice. And and it's funny, Adam and I, now we do it, you know, for a living essentially, but we talk about like when we were cross country runners in college, it was like the worst thing ever would be to like, walk by somebody and, and like, imagine like, Hey, I should say hi to this person. But like, how many opportunities have I missed? in my life because I didn't know any better. Um, so that's the idea is hopefully educating, giving that people the perspective because they, you know, until you do it yourself, you have no idea. But if somebody tells you, maybe you'll be like, Oh yeah, I mean, this professor that I really enjoy, maybe I should just take him out and get coffee. And then who knows, you know, how that goes. So, um, yeah, that's the idea. Hopefully some value and improve things for people would be nice. So. I, I will definitely be reading it and promoting it for sure, man. Uh, you're being awesome with your time. Just a couple quick, quick last things no here. Problem. I know you're an Ohio guy, man. I got to say, after going to Cleveland and traveling around the country and stuff, that's a city that I don't think if you if people haven't been to it, it's a great city, man. Like I yeah, had it's good. time there. We went, we went, to, I went to the all-star game there. That stadium was freaking awesome. Nice. People were cool as hell. Yeah. We did um I went and I trained a bunch of times at Stephen Mitch's gym, which I, I want to talk to you about. You oh, nice. you guys pretty much have the heavyweight champion there. You know, hopefully he gets that title back soon. We went to the comedy club, I think it was hilarities or something downtown. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Food. Like, dude, I had such a great and I, I remember thinking, like, you know what? Like if all like if the real estate thing doesn't work out. And I got to just like lower my means. Like, this is not a bad place. To <laughs> yeah, dude. Welcome. Bring your money yeah. here. So like the one thing I think they, that we did. So some big cities, big cities, it's like, well, you could go to this area or you could go to this area or you could go to this area. Like Cleveland's cool because it's like, well, you got like the heart right in the middle where all the stuff is. If you want to come here and have fun and get drunk and, and just wander around and it's small enough. So like, you know, there's big cities that are like, like New York has so many different areas, Chicago, same thing, but like all these other you know, markets like I, I went to Dallas, you know, a couple of years ago and like, obviously it's a great city. Right. But like the downtown part, I was like, this is a snooze fest. Like I got to walk, <laughs> like I got to walk like a mile and a half to find like this restaurant. And then I got to go over here to go somewhere else. Um, and maybe it's different now. I mean, I don't know, but I think our city does a good job on stacking all the good stuff in a spot that you can wander from one place to another. Um, and then you can obviously, you know, if you want to go check out other, other parts of town, you drive, but like, if you're like, Hey, I'm downtown, I'm going to the game. And then I'm going to need something to do after the game's over. Like, yeah, dude, you can, you can get in all sorts of trouble. So. That nah, was cool, man. It was awesome. And I like to call this a victory lap as we kind of wrap everything up in a nice bow and hit you some final questions. First one being, what is one of your favorite quotes, which I might, you might've already, you might've already said it earlier, the Stephen Colbert quote of a quote of a quote. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, or, or Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, uh, you know, you miss a hundred percent, hundred percent of the shots you don't take, but yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, learning to love the thing that you most wish had not happened. That's really good. Um, and it makes me sound smart. So, uh, <laughs> so that's probably it. And I don't, and I'm not, I'm not a real educated source. So not a words guy, <laughs> but uh, that's probably it for me. That, that one kind of hits uh, close to home. And it's from Stephen Colbert. I like that guy. He's, he's good. I agree, man. That's, that's a good one. I like that one. What's uh, one of your favorite books? Uh, How to Raise Your Own Salary, Napoleon Hill. He's known for like Think and Grow Rich, but that one for me, um, was the most, uh, helpful. So I like that one. It's, it's a longer one. It's basically just an, an interview of, uh, Carnegie, um, and kind of how he created masterminds and things. But, um, that one, I think everybody can learn from, um, it, one of the better quotes out of that book is actually, uh, a short-term loss can have long-term gain. So it's like what we do on the internet, we're, we're spending a lot of time, you know, we got this silly TikTok account. We have a Facebook stuff that, we're not getting paid for that stuff. Right. But 
it will improve our credibility probably for a lot of the people that are on those platforms. So short-term uh, short-term losses can create long-term or lifetime gains. So I, that, that came from that book and I've, that's always kind of stuck with me. Ever wanted to play the drums or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He's played all over the world and he's also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. What is uh, one of your biggest mistakes in real estate? Um, let's see. I mean, I haven't been doing it that long. Um, but I think one, one thing that I've, it's, yeah, I've, I've befallen to this and I've seen a lot of people do it is relying wholly on somebody without checking. So this happens a lot with property management, um, whether it's on the single family side, but especially on the multifamily side, if someone says they're going to do anything, you should trust them a little bit, but you really need to verify. So that is probably as important as anything is trust, but verify. If someone's job is to do X, Y, Z, whether it's construction or whether it's property management or whatever it is, like you need to keep up on that stuff because I have a lot of very important uh, real estate pros that have done this for a long time and have been had their ass burnt because the management sucked. When they said they weren't going to suck, they sucked. So you got to really be careful on that. So that's, that's probably it. Don't, you got to just check because grownups and humans are generally uh, stinky at times. <laughs> that is absolutely crucial advice. I love that, man. So finally, how do, how do people work with you? I know you got the deal structure crew, the Facebook yeah. group. You so, got an awesome TikTok account. And the fact that you got the handle at TikTok lawyers is right. So uh, yeah, dude, I mean, that's another content. thing. So lawyers, lawyers are horrible marketers, right? unless they're on a park bench or they're on a radio station or they're on a TV commercial, like they don't do this type of stuff. So yeah, it was like, it was probably like a year, year and a half ago. Um, somebody said something about TikTok, and I was like, Oh, we should do a handle. Who knows? Someday we'll do it. So yeah, we got a good one. TikTok lawyers. Um, so check us out on there. And if you, you know, if you're on Facebook, send me a message. Um, and then obviously uh, we can connect up after that. But I like, we, we essentially rely almost wholly on referral type setups. Like we're not really that interested in strangers off the street reaching out. You know, if you want to do a syndication, that's great uh, because that, that takes a certain sophistication, but like, we don't, we don't, we don't like doing a lot of the onesie twosie stuff. So um, we're long-term relationship guys. Um, so if you want to, if you want to find us, find us on the internet. Um, we're on there a lot. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate this whole show has been fun. Um, you do a good job, man. And, Thanks. Uh, well, it's, it's all the guests. Like I said, it was your, it's your hour. You, I'm just, I'm just the pretty I'm face. Here, man. Ramble. You. Right. I got the ramble part down. <laughs> nah, you did good, man. It was awesome. You got a great energy. You're easy to talk to. You got great advice. You're fun. Um, on the, any other ways people can find you, find your company work. Yeah. With so you? we're, uh, we're Vincent Esquire up there, Vincent Esquire.com. Uh, we're on there. Um, TikTok lawyers, uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, all that stuff. So, um, and yeah, if you just want to, my email is Paul, P-A-U-L at VincentESQ.com. Someone wants to send me an email. Um, that's good. And I actually have that, um, I have that community app too. So if someone wants to text me, that's oh, an cool. easy thing to do, but let me double check the number first. No, <laughs> it's uh 440-298-2336. So if you want to send me a message, I check that every day or two. Um, and get a new person to sign up. So that's kind of cool. But that's awesome, man. Good stuff. Well, I really appreciate this, man. This has been a uh, way overdue. I was really looking forward to talking. Yeah, to you. that's right. I, I'm like, yeah, we, we got to get this done. So I'm glad we did, man. Appreciate it. Now, I appreciate you, man. Any final thoughts before we let you go? Just keep listening to this podcast. This guy's a wizard. I mean, that's it. And I'll
a follow-up to that, look out for your podcast that's going to be coming. They should be hearing about sometime in the new, near future. In the near near term, yeah, we're, we're putting the bones to that together. Uh, I'm, I'm going to hold myself to it. Uh, I won't hold myself to it enough to tell you what it is, but I'll hold myself to it because <laughs> it's not really even a thing yet. So we're getting there. It's going to be good though, man. Let me know about the book. Let me know about the podcast. Happy to have you come on anytime and, so, and, uh, and, and help promote it. And I appreciate you hooking me up with Austin. That's a great episode. And Yeah, and I got a couple more I'll hook you up with uh, for sure that I think will be good. I appreciate that, man. Paul Vincent, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get together for a UFC in the near future. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Have a great day, sir. Thanks, buddy.